Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. Today on the Ether, part two of the two part Chepi Space, plainly titled Convo. Let's take a listen. Go ahead, Tank. Discords are really, really great, like you guys were saying, for community building. Uh, Discords really took off uh, once uh, mainstream like gaming, streaming on Twitch and stuff like that started uh, taking off uh, because, again, they were just trying to build inner communities for their viewers and for their people that were participating, watching their shows or whatnot. I know I, I actually really find Twitch, uh, Twitch, um, Discord very beneficial because we stream and we have a community within the cosmos with IBC gang. So it's a nice little way to keep that, you know, private community uh, engagement going. But yeah, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying on, on everything else. I tweeted a long time ago how, being in discord reminded me of being wasted walking through a Vegas casino where I can't find my friends and I can't even find the exit. It's just like walking <laughs> down the Vegas strip or walking into a casino. It's just like lights and stimulation everywhere and noise. And it's just like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. You definitely got to You definitely got to find out how to uh, navigate through it and use those notification buttons. Uh, I, I mute a lot of them, even in my own discord. Like I have a lot of them muted. So yeah. Yeah, no, I guess that I agree with a lot of what you guys said, but it's also just like some of the advantages to Discord of being able to call for free and video call people. And it's just things like that are just amazing. And then like I used to use it all the time. So I 100% think that's a great feature. But Sefi is right. It's kind of like certain Discords and Telegram channels. It's like a mailbox that just keeps filling up. So like you really do have to check them throughout the day. Jokes aside, I think there is function too. So uh, for my my regular business, we use different automation software with, you know, if this, then that uh, logic. And apparently I never even explored this with Discord, but if you are starting a community, there's all those different logic chains that you can build uh, to get people to jump through certain kinds of hoops to get certain statuses. And then they can do this or that or the other thing. So I, there's definitely value if you understand it. But I, like I said, I, I never got past the drunk, the drunk guy stumbling around the casino phase. There, there's one other like piece to this too. And, and it's not just the type of work that you do, but it's also like, let's say for example, you get a lot of email for work or you get a lot of text messages for work and you get a lot of phone calls for work already. Like this ends up being just a lot more work and a lot less pleasure at that point. And that's a different problem. So it's like, it's almost like you're giving yourself more work for no obvious reason. So you're like, you're, you're, it's like, but you're not necessarily getting paid for many of the things that you do in those things. So, and the, uh, I don't know, it seems like it's like a yoke almost. It doesn't make sense unless you have something that you're going to achieve by doing it that you really enjoy. Yeah, and I, wonder how much worse, yeah, I wonder how much worse it can get, especially when you get into like gated communities too, because like there's so many communities that are like, oh, buy our NFT and get access to our Discord. 
And like, you got to think like, oh my gosh, like some of those, it just. So in other words, I didn't want to get into a free discord, but now I'm going to pay to get into one, which is even more interesting. Like this kind of like exclusivity pass that some of these NFT projects are doing. I'm like, uh, like, I want to do this. Why? <laughs> like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm for for networking. I guess like a couple of people have told me that some of the NFT communities, like the bigger ones, like if you're an ape or if you're, what is it? Lazy lazy ape lazy lion they have like a, a crazy network so as soon as you join that discord i guess the community is supposedly really beneficial like if you're looking for work if you're looking for something i mean i've never I'm, i don't own it so i don't know but i guess there are some that i don't know they seem a little bit cult like to me and and promote kind of an exclusivity that is financial so it worries me a little bit about where our society is headed but um but then they're doing some good stuff too. So I guess we just have to be on it. I just, but I do worry about like, it's almost like, what was that group back in the day? Like the, was a bunch of white guys with secret societies. Like, you know, those secret societies that supposedly like controlled the world. Oh, the Masons. The Masons, the Freemasons. I'm like, worried that these are like out in the open Freemasons that are like gonna take over the world. Skull and bones in Yale. Yeah, no, like, I mean, some of them, I mean, I feel like they do have some form of an advantage and like reasoning to, to join a community, but you also have to like, think like, okay, cool. I'm going to pay three ETH for this NFT and I get access to a discord community. Okay. <laughs> like now well, I, I think some of the people are like super, like the people that are involved in it are really high level. And so it's not just, it's like the, you get a discord community, but the community is like a very worthy community, supposedly. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I want to learn more, actually, and I'll bring it back. But yeah, you know how certain networks are better than others, right? I agree. No, and there's some that I've considered joining, but it's like the thing that I hate is you don't know if these gated communities are good until you join them. Like you could join it and be like, yeah, I spent like 200 bucks and now I'm part of this community. And then like, what if you join and find out that it's like a hot dumpster fire and you're like, oh shit, like now I'm you just know, stuck. Like something to look at might be like how you even find out about it. Right. And like you, you do have to do some research, I think, to find out if it will be good. Like, who are the people behind it? What do they do? You know, like, I guess yeah. you have to just really put yourself out there and figure it out. But I don't know if there's I, I should look into it, but I don't really I don't know. I don't really want that right now. I am actually working on an NFT project, but I'm mostly selling them to universities. They're um there's there's stem um, women's intense nfts they're really cool and you can give them as like a gift instead of you know fifty dollars for someone's graduation you can give one of these stem women to um to your daughter or something like that like i i like that and it will let your your child be in the network of women for her life which is i think is really cool but that one to me look like a project I could get behind. And it's not like that's my full-time job or anything like that. But some of the other ones really do I, make I think if it's a simple social project like that and it's not like crazy priced. Yeah. You know, almost like imagine going to the, the Walgreens and picking up a uh, like a greeting card or something like that, right? Um, right? You can understand like, I can understand that, like maybe the art and maybe the um, sort of like a gift giving type of thing, something fun. But when people start creating all these like weird, like, you know, 
if you get sort of like a group that doesn't make any sense around it, like for example, like let's say you had a group of people that collected Hallmark uh, cards or something, and now you got access to some sort of like interesting community of like people that like to wish people happy birthday or something. It just gets <laughs> like, hmm, like what is what is the point of this? Like, why am I buying this? Why am I going to that particular group for this reason? And then if you get into charitable stuff, the thing is like the problem with charities, anything related to like crypto space and charities is there's a huge amount of verification that has to happen to know that that makes sense and your money's not being wasted or like you know scammed or whatever so that's a, that's another problem i think we're gonna find out a lot like in the next year or so like just i've just seen and i know bloom has too seen communities just kind of stop evolving stop growing because they didn't really have a clear roadmap so there's like they're only gonna, their shelf life is only so long. So I'm, I'm not saying all NFTs are bad at all. And I do have some friends who work in the industry and they hustle hard. And I do think there are some that are just hustling hard because, you know, in the next few years, this is, this is a good moneymaker. But I mean, there de we'll definitely see in the next few years, like which projects just fall off. Because well, what, what happened with OpenSea was a lot of people got suddenly rich with you know, the price of Ethereum going up. And so, of course, when you feel rich, you're like, oh, I can use a little bit of Ethereum on an NFT or whatever. Um, so there is this kind of concept that when everyone's wealthy, everyone's like throwing money around like his rent going out of style. And then, but when the market goes down or something, then it becomes, the, just the situation changes. You don't have all this liquidity everywhere that can go into projects. And those projects thought that, oh, it's, you know, people love my NFT project because, you know, it's the genius art or some other whatever, right? But actually what it was is a lot of speculation and people just having a lot of extra money. So it's like almost like if you gave someone money, sent them to a, a shopping mall and said, here, go on a shopping spree. And the whole city was all rich all of a sudden. <laughs> like everyone just goes to the mall and buys everything out. And the business owner at the mall is like, oh, I'm, you know, my, my clothing line is amazing. Well, yeah, maybe, but like maybe it's just there was too much money around. And you sold all your stuff, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean like people were, were being very <clears throat> discerning or anything about it. That's kind of. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, it's kind of a microcosm for exactly. our whole uh, economy right now. I mean, that's basically what's been happening with QE1, 2, Infinity, whatever, part four. And now with uh, the Fed cranking up rates, they're basically saying, hey, if you want this liquidity, it's fine. You can have it. You got to pay for it and you got to pay a lot. And so uh, they're not buying mortgage, mortgage backed securities anymore. And so now you're starting to see that stuff shrivel up and it's going to get, it's going to get crazy. Actually, do you think um, Hutch, um, what's your sense of, uh, do you follow the real estate at all? Like, do you think that the housing market's going to take a nosedive too? I don't know. I've never been uh, a huge real estate guy in terms of whatever following it. I, I, I know people that are. Um, talked to a mortgage guy this morning and, and, uh, he's a good friend of mine. He seems to think he's going to be feeling some pain for a while. And it makes sense. I mean, like people are posting all kinds of, um, tweets as far as, you know, a mortgage payment six months ago would buy you X amount of house. And now it buys you whatever, two thirds of X. Right. And it just makes sense. People buy houses, not so much based on the purchase price, but it's more so can they just afford the monthly payment? Can they afford the cash flow? So yeah, I think it's definitely going to affect it. That being said, there's a, a massive glut of people and there's only so much inventory. So 
I don't think, I don't think, but I don't know. I don't think it'll be as bad. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting environment, especially in the U.S. in that regard. It's, it's, a, it's, a, um, yeah, this, this idea that there's like, um, actually more people than you would have thought <laughs> that want these things. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's pushing up the price a bit, um, by some sheer demand, which is, I suppose, good, um, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I don't think things are going to fall off a cliff. Certainly not in every, every area. But um, I, I don't think it's going to be whatever, just how token, house token go up forever like it has been. Yeah, it doesn't look like there's going to be like some kind of banking crisis or anything like that, because I think the banks have largely been shored up. So that's a good thing, I guess. Um, it, it seems like less like most of the shoes that are going to fall have largely done so, hopefully. Yeah, the banks um, are actually set to profit big time. I mean, the, the higher that interest rates are, the bigger, more spreads. And remember, they're, they're allowed to do fractional reserve lending. So every percentage, every for every percentage interest rates go up, they get to whatever, three, four, five, ten 10x that just in lending. And people always need money. Now, I think... Lending standards will will tighten, but they're just going to have so much spread to work with. Like, so their margin is interest rates. Like, that's their margin. So now they have all this extra margin that they didn't have before. Hey, Tank, what you up to today? You done with whatever work and stuff? You were nah, busy earlier. Nah, I'm never done. Well, well, it's funny you guys are talking about real estate. I'm actually looking at two different. Uh, I think I said this in our. Uh, space earlier i'm actually looking to purchase uh, a couple of more uh investment opportunities down there in the panhandle myself I, I gotta agree with what you guys were saying like you know especially if you have i don't think i don't think it's going to be as bad um as a lot of people are letting off to be i, I do think certain areas especially in the u.s are going to get hit uh a bit harder uh but you know i i live in the greater oh i'll say the middle tennessee area um right outside of nashville and i mean i'll tell you right now there's no fucking way that this place we might see a small like dip a little but the the demand is so high like you guys were saying right now with you know how little space we have even though we do have quite a bit you were we were talking about it earlier right Steffi? uh you know america does have like a, a great bit of land that they could still work with uh but like as far as where people actually are finding places desirable and want to spend money to buy home um yeah it's just you know i don't see it that bad i'm actually looking to pick up two more so i'm I'm, I'm looking at the map right now uh trying to figure out if i want to go uh further south or if i actually want to stay kind of uh towards uh texas i, I own two you're, you're what you're between what like uh uh you're between memphis and nashville uh i'm s- just south of nashville actually yeah by the way Isn't i thought where you, there uh, was like a nuclear bomb region. test Excuse me. I heard there was a nuclear bomb test there. No. Oh, I, I don't know. Maybe that flew right over my head. I did not know that. <laughs> Real estate prices are going down now. Uh, that's that's what I was thinking. You're going to get some good pricing. Uh, in in, ter- in terms of you buying existing SFR single family residences too, mm-hmm. the fact that interest rates are going up means that it's going to be harder for builders to build new inventory. So it kind of puts that floor. It's going to be more expensive for them to carry money to build. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, I think that helps put a floor on existing properties, like you said, where on these epicenters where people are moving to and people want to work and people want to live. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some volatility and whatnot, and you're going to have to kind of measure your cash flow is, you know, but you can always adjust rents accordingly. But, oh, yeah, um, definitely. I mean, you could always just adjust your rent and make up for the cost of whatever you, you know expense that you took. Um, you're seeing it across the board now. I mean, just look at 
uh, people that are renting or even, you know, whatever, uh, like you said, with their mortgages uh, a year, like eight months ago, I mean, it's up $400 for just a two bedroom apartment in this area. Like it's insane. Yeah. Just, just watch your leverage. Cause that's the one variable. That's the one variable cost that, you know, you're not going to be able to control. Yeah. So. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I have a business that has a, like, I think, uh, I think like a 2.8% interest rate, 20 year type of deal. So like, uh, uh, so I'm pretty happy about the fact that we, we secured that relatively uh, at the right time. And interestingly, the place we built is built with a lot of glass and a lot of steel. So it's like, uh, the value of the actual thing went up. Uh, the building went up way faster. Than I was going to say even better, even better. That yeah, it went up way faster than the actual value of the, um, like how much we have to pay in like the um, expenses as far as like the borrowing expenses, which is interesting. So yeah, sometimes like timing, you can get a little little lucky. Sometimes timing, you can get really, really unlucky. We've had that happen to our family many years ago. Oh, um sure. We, my wife and I, we just recently timed, uh, it was really, really lucky. I mean, eh, luck, whatever, but it was, it was nice timing. Uh, just a little while ago, uh, my wife's a, a, a dentist. Uh, we own a fairly decent size, uh, practice here. Um, we just actually hired on uh, an associate, uh, doctor as well, but we expanded and, um, you know, I think it was like a two mil spend on the building. We basically own the whole damn thing. We just one person. We're just waiting to get out. Uh, but you know, just, just in that. I think it was like six months since we actually signed on it. Uh, it's already grown up in value here. Nashville, Nashville is just so interesting. Uh, nothing done to it. It's already, you know, it's already appreciated much more than what we spent. And it's, yeah, timing is everything. Yeah, I have a cousin in uh, the Memphis area. So I'll probably be spending some time in that direction, like for Thanksgiving time for oh, holiday. Uh, what's that? What's their... Um, not Jordantown. What, what am I trying to think of? Uh, it's kind of, um, it's east of Memphis. It's a nice little area. I don't go down to Memphis. All, did you guys hear about uh, that poor little lady? I say poor little lady, like she's like some old fragile lady. She was a, a marathon runner. She was actually an heiress to a billion dollar fortune that got snatched up in Memphis while she was uh, practicing her, her jogging. Unfortunately, she ended up dying or went out from, from her abductor. But uh, yeah, Memphis is, whew. Memphis is rough. Wait, wait. <laughs> you said a lot there. Like, wait, what happened? She was jogging and she got ripped off for a billion dollars. What? No, no. She, she, got, was, she got kidnapped. So she got runner. kidnapped. She was running yeah. at four in the morning. Which was, she was, was baffling to me. I'm going. Staff. Well, you know, anybody that lives in Tennessee. Well, it's no surprise. I mean, Memphis was on like first forty-eight for forever, and there's just some places in any any place that you just don't go down to. But apparently, she she was um she's a school teacher for a private uh school down there. I don't remember. Recall where, uh, and but on top of that, she was a pretty good marathon runner, and and to boot, also an heiress to a very large fortune, uh, and just I don't know if the the abductor knew it or whatnot, but she was jogging down in Memphis and got snatched up, and unfortunately, uh, yeah, unfortunately she passed away from it. The guy, the guy apparently got abducted or by police and is in custody now, but it's yeah. Screw Memphis, man. That's, unless you're talking, yeah, I'm gonna go. Oh, I'm gonna go there. Using, and uh, like maybe, that was uh, cool to uh, check out Graceland, but man, getting there and around there, I, I was, I, I definitely saw the uh, the element. Oh yeah, there, no, no, no. You keep going, even if it's a red light, keep going through that red light, bro. Well, that's good to know. I, I'll try not to get jacked. Um, I need to like figure. I need to like find a homeless outfit or something. 
or maybe Yo, like a, maybe Sakuma. I can walk around in an anime costume or something weird to like say people ignore you if they think you're fucking nuts or something. Saki, not to interrupt you, uh, I'm gonna hop off. So have a great evening, everyone. Or actually, sure. Sure, hey Saki, do you want yeah. do you want do you want to say what's up to my twin? Oh yeah, what's up, twin? Jerber, <laughs> is your twin there? Hi. Hey man, uh, but Jer, he, this guy's been telling us that your his twin is like like retarded. He's not as smart as you. Uh, he's not as smart as uh, he is, and all this kind of shit, right? Like, um, is this true? Yeah. Mm. So, it's, so you're saying like we should believe whatever uh, Jer Bear says? Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well. Wait, 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 wait. Are you an identical twin? I'm a twin myself. I'm an identical twin. Fraternal or identical? We're fraternal. Oh, so you're a fake twin. I'm yeah, they're fake twins. They're, they're beneath you, uh, Tank. Yeah. Tank, they're beneath you. They're they're not worth talking to. They're not they're, they're not legit. Safi, you're not even a twin. Okay, you don't get to participate in that. Look, look I remember when 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 we were little, uh, my mother used to do this corny thing where she was in a, a twins club. Um, and by the way, Seth, I actually saw uh, you were down in Maui recently. Yes. Oh, by the way, um, but Tank, real quick. If so, if you have an identical twin, if I like, let's say um, your twin is in like a different state or something, and like maybe I was to kick him in the nuts or something like that, would you feel it? The court, the court was that uh, that that movie, the Corsican uh, Brothers, where it, I don't it, know it, the, the other twin. It's an old movie. The other twin. So, so the answer is yes, it. right? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Okay. I, I will cool. say there's. I, I don't know about this, but there uh, there has been a few moments in our lives growing up where I remember actually, and I was asking you about Maui because I'm actually originally from Hawaii. Uh, I grew up on Oahu, um, but I remember when we were younger in our teens. I don't know if it's coincidence or whatever, but I, I remember this clear as day because it was such a weird feeling uh, that I was on the other side of the island hanging out with a certain bunch of friends that I had back at the time, smoking weed and shit like that. Um, and my brother was on the complete other opposite side of the island pretty late at night. And I just remember this gut-wrenching – I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but it was just like, oh, shit, something's wrong. It was just out of nowhere. For no reason at all, something's wrong. I have to go home. Something's wrong with my brother. Um, and I remember I, I, you know, going home, dropping everybody, everybody thinking I'm crazy, uh, and going home and finding out that my brother had actually got into a really bad accident. So I like, that is the only experience I've ever had that I would say even comes close to that. And sometimes I like to think that, you know, I'm just crazy and that was a coincidence, but I don't know, man, like, there's just sometimes life throws yeah. these weird signals to you. Some of those signals. Yeah. You're like, okay, is this legit signal or what? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. But that's, we, can no, test that's it. we could test it though. Like I could maybe like lock him up somewhere maybe like pour acid on his fingernails or something Stress and then out, we can yeah. see yeah see if you actually sense the trepidation or maybe like feel it in your fingers or something my, my spider senses are telling me something's burning yeah you can tell i've been hanging around with bruce too much right yeah. so like i'm gonna come up with weird scenarios for you like obviously he's not here to like uh like he's not here to like harass you personally so i'm just like surrogate uh irritating you, you, you no no you're doing doing well doing well he's he's a master at it though I absolutely love that guy <laughs> So anyway, Steffi, gonna head out of here. So check you later, Carrie. Bye, Gina. See you later. Guys, great day. Bye. Cool. Yeah. So, um, I, I guess Addy, you've been you've been quiet today. You've had your like work to do. I guess. Um, what what are you planning for the week? Anything interesting? She must be away. <laughs> anyway. She's yeah, if wants to hop up. She's like, I'm not leaving my shit on these exchanges that you've been recommending. 
No, she didn't say that. But no, she, she should. Right? She just had the only thing she's bought is like fifty bucks of Adam, at about twelve bucks, and, and like sent it to her uh, Kepler wallet just for fun to learn about it. And uh, that's about it. Like she hasn't really done. Yeah. Oh, and um, I think we got like one of the teams gave me like a gift. Um, she likes cats, so someone sent me a gift cat. Um, uh, and uh, home had some little Chihuahua when like NFTs. So. Um, we're sending a few to her wallet just for fun, for gifts, like so she can like. That's so nice. Yeah, she's so cool. Guys, yeah, we're kind of... are the new flowers. Just so you know, just ask the girl for her wallet and just put them in there. <laughs> some guy, I I put something I put something out there and uh, I was like, oh, NFTs are the new flowers because Bloom had sent me a couple, and some guy was like, was do you how do you like this one? And he's like, check your wallet. I'm like, sweet. So I'm gonna post my wallet right now. <laughs> you're, you're gonna you're gonna like uh, simp for uh, for NFTs, <laughs> like total NFT more. <laughs> hey, I did have a question about your up and coming uh, project, uh, Doc. It, it, uh, are you where are you launching your project, or have you gotten that far as to like where you actually want to do this uh, women's based uh, NFT? So it's out of India. I mean, the person it's Doctor Bin Doctor B. Um, I don't know if you've seen women intense NFT, but it's like, they do like silent shilling spaces for like three hours in the morning. And then they talk again and they just really promote the voices of women. But October is when the, the STEM, I don't know, the STEMinist, I don't know what they call it. Their STEM girls are going to launch. So we're selling those now, but we're mostly like, I'm trying to approach some of the universities like, um, in the area. So they get to, to own them. But I, yeah, I mean, you can buy a one-off too, for sure. Um, but it's a whole thing where, like, they have a roadmap. Um, it's womenintensenft.com, and their roadmap talks about, like, having, you know, universities in the metaverse and consulting in the metaverse. And I have a whole PowerPoint on it if you want to know more information, for sure. But I think it's a good concept, like, instead of giving, you know, maybe just giving someone, like, $50, it seems like it's an investment because um the person would be in a network for life supposedly and it the people behind there is an ape behind it and um dr b and she's a um like she's a she's a doctor of like organizational psychology and that kind of thing so it just was more trusted to me um plus it's something that i believe in getting more women in stem so no, I know yeah, that no, was a long no, answer, so, but. so it's like an access card of sorts right like an, kind uh, of, yeah yeah that's what i see it as yep sure cool. yeah no yeah i can see that that's that's cool yeah let me know um so they're minting in october for those and then there'll be other ones and they're mostly just women from all around the world in different um stem professions that's kind of what they yeah there's, there's a lot of these kind of keepsake kind of ideas it's almost like imagine you go to a university and you have a, a college ring or a high school ring or something like that um yeah it's like a mixture of like nfts you can create into a mixture of like a memorabilia a membership card entertainment something that has to do with games it's basically a piece of information that you can attach sort of different types of value to which is fun um so yeah a lo lot of what's happening in generally with nfts are not necessarily something that hasn't been done before in other arenas it's just packaged in a very different um way and that's you know it's fun it's uh and it's compact it's portable you don't have to find a place to store it and whatever and if you want to print one out or something like that and have a physical copy i suppose you could some people like to do that. They like print out their, they get a color, you know, um, print out of their 
thing and they hang it up on their wall, things like that. Yeah, so I've kind of- seen that, like like paintings. It's funny. I'm like, oh, nice. Nice. You have a monkey on your wall. <laughs> but it is- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, cool. got your little, you got your little board ape or whatever the heck you people you care about. Aren't, aren't yeah. there like Isn't digital like, frames like- and monitors to where you can kind of rotate your collection? Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's all sorts of different products to like just display art for sure. Um, it depends on whether like it goes with like the decor of your house or something. Um, but yeah. Hey, T-Bug, what's up? Uh, morning from Australia, guys. How's it going today? Good. What you doing? Uh, well, it's, uh, it's a public holiday for the, for the Dead Queen Day today in Australia. I'm celebrating by working for double time at home. Oh, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. Seems a, seems a wasted opportunity not to. I probably won't actually have to do much today, so I'll probably just hang around here and uh, take the occasional phone call. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, cool. I was thinking about, um, like, sort of this, this NFT collection you're talking about, Kerry, not, not even necessarily about this collection specifically, but just the idea of this style of, uh, you know, where it's kind of like an access card, you, you create these communities and, and the NFT is like your key in. I wonder if at some point in the future, like, you know, we have all these like old mysterious organizations, like, I don't know, like the Freemasons and I, I don't know, there's a bunch of these just cryptic old organizations that have been around for a long time. And I wonder if this NFT craze is going to, spawn like the 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 next iteration of these old mysterious organizations that just hang around for a long time and and from the outside no one really knows what's going on in there yeah i mean you must have been reading my mind because we were just what was i did i just say that like a half an hour ago or something i was worried i'm worried about these new she, she said exactly that about <laughs> half an hour ago you said it more articulately probably but it's so funny. I was more, I'm more worried about like the exclusivity and like the cultish behavior. This one is, I feel like this is more of like a good natured, like they're not doing a community thing every night where they're just kind of chatting. Not that those are what NFT communities are doing, but um, it's more like it really is for like a, a specific career. It's targeted at like younger people. So it's for girls and women mostly. So it, it just seemed safer to me, but I do, I do think about those secret societies that are already, I mean, they're already doing stuff like this. Yeah. I wouldn't worry about it too much. I would think about it this way. You have billions of people on the planet, right? And billions of people that came before us and we have no idea what they did or didn't do. And at the end of the day, like we're all still here and maybe some of us like have not. (laughs) Worrying about these types of things is like worrying about like controlling the universe. Like maybe there's a meteor going to like fling through the space and like hit the earth at some point. I guess you could sit there and worry about it every day, but at the end of the, like, what are you going to do about it? So I think even now, like internet, um, like whether you call them communities or like nefarious people, there's a lot of that going on all the time, like dark web things. There's, you know, um, people can use lots of different cryptographic, like communications platforms to do all sorts of nefarious things. Like if they want to, um, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of like every type of nefarious organization you could possibly imagine exists already. Yeah. The question is like, you know, how much impact do they have? And, you know, you, you'll never really know, but, you'll never really control most of that anyway. It's it's almost like trying to imagine, okay, yeah, there's communities in your own body. 
for example, you have like 1 trillion human cells and 10 trillion bacteria, but like you're not sitting there worried about what bacteria are doing in your like, you know, small intestines right now. Like you're not really thinking, oh, I wonder what they're communicating. I wonder if they're going to try to kill me next week. Um, like, but that happens, like, you know, but uh, it's so I think this. Yeah, uh, I don't think any of them are like created with bad intentions. I don't know about the Freemasons, but um, yeah. That's well, just no, well, I would say, I would say like things are created with bad intention. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I just don't think there's much I can do about it. So I don't really. Oh, like, the, well, yeah, I mean, I think that I don't agree with that. Like, there's not much you can do, but I always feel like the more I put my voice out there and people don't always like it. But now, I mean, at the beginning of my career, it was like hell because everyone was like, no, we don't care about women learning anything now. And then I'm afraid to freaking say yeah, it. Yeah, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything saying. wrong with like preaching quality you can values. Policy that can change generations. Like you really can, it, it, and it's a small impact. I guess I'm in I'm in the public sector, so it's different, you know. But um, it's not easy for sure, and it's a long game. But I feel like I'm making some impact. But like, so I'm saying, like, I do feel like you can control social outcomes, not completely, but your voice and changing consciousness about issues can lead to something good not always but sometimes yeah that's the, the definitely the optimistic view of the world is like what you say and do matters and like that resonates and you know maybe uh golden rule matters and all of that right so i think uh th there's nothing wrong with like uh that type of optimism um, yeah, I, so what, what i'm saying is i think the optimistic <laughs> voices have largely over the long run sort of like um one over the the very pessimistic voices at least as, as far as the human race is concerned so and, and at least the the super diabolical ones won't tag us every time there's a whitelist. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. Like maybe you know, yeah, you you retards go hang out in your own little corner or whatever, right? <laughs> I jest. But it's funny, like it's like um, you know, when Bruce, myself, and some of the gang were here, like joking around and like you know, doing funny you know nonsense like sexual innu innuendo or like maybe just making you know, dark humor or something like that. We sort of like the idea that like people that, you know, have like a low sort of like um, tolerance threshold who get triggered really easily. I'd just rather have them leave. Like, I just don't like, like there's no obvious reason to necessarily entertain every, like, you know, uh, you know, the needs of every sociopath and psychopath. So while on the one hand, you could maybe influence some people to be better, on the other hand, do you really want to surround yourself with the absolute like worst parts of society 24 seven? I don't think so. So it's like, I think a comedy and like some of the, like um, maybe like the irreverent sort of banter that we do sometimes is uh, I think it weeds out to some extent, some types of people, which for me, I think is better. Like it's, you want to have a vibe that, makes sense. And this is like with a lot of like the NFT communities, this is what they try to do. Like they try to create a group that maybe fits their vibe and fits their kind of style. Uh, maybe it's around some specific social cause or whatever, but yeah, it, they're, they're kind of like the new social club um, in a sense. And, and, you know, if you like, like rotary club, for example, these are people like to go and like do social service every week and things of that nature. You have like uh, different groups, like church groups, for example, they do a different thing every week. And, um, so like everyone has their little social circle that resonates with them. And, uh, I think it's fine, like to find people of, um, you know, like similar values. Um, it, it depends on what you're trying to do. Like if you're trying to go out there and change people's minds, you have to go into environments where you're out of your comfort zone. Like you're, you're literally among people that hate you possibly. 
that's a di very different thing, right? It takes a different types of courage. It takes a different type of uh, language communication skill versus going to a group where people like natively sort of agree with like 90% of what you say, let's say, for example. So if you're only like arguing like the, the semantics of 10% of what each other is saying, that's a different thing when like someone disagrees with 90% of what you say. Um, that's a very, very different thing. Like, for example, that's where politics sort of plays, like gets so heated. Like, let's say, for example, one person's really, really into this idea of like abortion, let's say and another group is really, really not into that. Like, it's almost like there's not really a lot of middle ground. Um, it'll just be arguments the entire time. Um, so if you, on the one hand, you go into an echo chamber where everyone says the same thing as you, like, what are you actually achieving? You're not actually convincing anybody of everything, anything. All you're doing is like patting each other on the back. On the other hand, if you go to another group, you would have to be willing to sort of like fight the entire time, which is a very different experience. Right. So, and some people like that shit. Like they like that activist sort of thing where they go into a group and it's like, uh, that you know it's very antagonistic they enjoy that like they're kind of political animals or activist animals i call them yeah that like, that life is too hard i've tried it <laughs> for yeah. me i'm not i'm not in that i can't it's too, yeah. it's exhausting you lose your job sometimes if you say anything too out of left field so my i feel like there's different types of leadership and one of them if you're doing like idea type leadership is just to try to change cultural consciousness through like permeating into systems but never really having to like say you know never having to i mean i guess i could be a legislator but i don't i don't really want to i'd rather like have those ideas than people are reading them and then people think for themselves and then over time they'll make a difference Hopefully. yeah i find it very different like some people like are like reading about politics and they think they're going to become like some politician oh i could have been this but like going to politics is a very very specific sort of behavior and it is actually very difficult in its own right it's like everything about it is a very special type of um, like social experience where you have to, so just imagine like, for example, if I have to go out into public and say, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to go run on the platform that I'm going to start a children's leukemia hospital. You're like, Oh wow. Like a uh, great job. Like we can save the children, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like So, and then, then you'll have like all the retractors come out. Wait, um, are you in bed with like the, the i don't know the leukemia drug manufacturers like are you like you know and then this type of stuff will come out and then it'll be like wait but you're going to use all this money for this leukemia hospital but the air traffic control people over here they want a new air traffic control tower because planes are going to fall out of the sky and crash into the downtown area if you don't get this done so like you're you're going to basically be fighting all these different interesting opportunity costs and all these detractors and all these weird like um, sort of edge cases that people are going to throw at you and you're going to like get into a situation where you're not sure you believe what your, your original vision was. But even then, like even to get compromised, it's, let's say, okay, you have to go to the aircraft control people and say, Hey, wait a minute. What if your children get leukemia? Like, you know, you want someone to be there to take care of their leukemia, right? So like, you got to get in there and like, kind of like, you have to sort of connive them into agreeing with whatever the fuck your vision is. And the thing is, like, there's a fixed amount of time, resources, and people involved. Mm, so you can never fix everything in the world. So even if you're, like, a total optimist, your your ideas are, like, completely legit. They're amazing for whatever reason. Mm, even if a lot of people are pat you on the back and say, great job, uh, Carrie, you're, you have a great mission. 
you'll have a lot of people who are like, wait, we have a great mission too. And uh, your funding for this thing is going to take away funding for our great thing. And so that's where the compromise problem happens. They just steal your great thing because they have more mm-hmm. money and then there are men writing about gender. It's great. It's awesome. Well, but it's, yeah, it's no, not, I hear what you're saying. It's almost no, like being a culture, right? Like, yeah. it's so special interest now. Like, we're, we're actually, like, state politicians used to be men who have done well in business, and they were just supporting their communities, where now it's, like, more career politicians. Like, you know you're going to go into it. So it's yeah, just different. It's, it's almost like uh, the other thing is, too, like, you'd have to have um, – so your vision has to drown out all other visions to make uh, resources, money, and power come your way to for people to agree with this right i mean even when you try to do charitable activities there are hundreds of credible charitable activities you could otherwise have done besides the thing that you're doing and you have to convince people that oh please um donate to my charity not you know which it, it implicitly says like or indirectly says okay you're not gonna um use that same money for some other charity so there's like even when you're trying to do good there are sort of opportunity costs and problems that emerge. And it's not like so straightforward. So to become a political animal, you pretty much have to sort of like massage and semi-lie to people 24-7. You have to tell them, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll work. We'll definitely keep an eye on this air traffic control situation. We definitely want to find funding for that too, right? But maybe you're not that serious about it. Right. Because how could you possibly be serious about every single possible thing everybody wants? It's impossible. Right. Mm, So like when Kennedy said, "Okay, we're going to go to the moon and we're going to do that. And, you know, within the decade, um, you know, a lot of people said, oh, but wait a minute. Like, um, you know, there's a lot of minorities that don't have jobs or there's like, you know, like there's people on Earth that are suffering. Why are you going to the moon and all this other shit? Right. So like at the same time, like if you look backwards at it. Most people in the world are like, wow, we made it to the moon and we were like, we, we, whatever. Um, it's, it becomes like a story, a narrative. And after the fact, all the noise, which was like, oh, we you shouldn't have gone to the moon or you shouldn't have done this, shouldn't have that, that all dissipates. And like people glorify this idea that you made it to the moon, right? Like, so after the fact, the stories are told by the victors in the end. So, and the stories are told about the projects that get done. The stories are not told about the projects that don't get done. So there's, yeah, there's like, there's a survival of the fittest of all activity on the earth. There's a survival of the fittest sort of Darwinian kind of thing that happens where you hope that the most sort of important projects get done, like the most um, important things in life get taken care of. But that's not necessarily um, like always the case, obviously. And, you know, humans can do like pretty nefarious shit too, obviously, in, in large groups. Um, so you, you never really can tell for sure. Like the project you are sponsoring is me, the one that, um, you know, saves the day. So like, and, and a way to look at this Gary, is like, think about it this way. So in a way the air traffic controllers are right. Okay. We need another tower. We need to, we need to actually have more people prevent airplane crashes and such. Right. Um, on the other hand, the leukemia people are right. Oh, well, we, we don't want children dying of leukemia, but how do you know for sure? Like, let's say for example, there's a human being on an airplane and they're going to um, uh, like find the cure for leukemia. <laughs> and uh, you building this leukemia hospital instead of the air traffic control tower, that person died that would have like survived had it not been for your malfeasance with the uh, air traffic control. <laughs> and you, but you would never know it. Right. So the problem is, is like all the future outcomes in the world 
um, we are op- we we proceed with optimism and hope that what we are choosing is the right choice. But there's no guarantee that you wouldn't have had a quote unquote better future or a worse future had you done something differently, right? The time does not allow that. Like the nature of reality does not allow that, which is why politics exists. When people say, oh, like, you know, politicians are like this and politicians are like that and special interests and blah, blah, blah. That's just how the process works. Like, otherwise you could have a dictatorship. But the problem with dictatorships is, is like, uh, like if a group of us can't figure out whether to build a leukemia hospital or an air traffic control tower, both of them seem credible. Um, there's nothing specific about a king that could do it either any better, right? So it's the problem is, and on top of that, you have centralization risk. Like what happens if someone murders the king or whatever, right? So you wind up with that problem on top of everything else. Um, so this is why like decentralized um, uh, like legislative bodies and everything else makes sense in that like some sort of process happens, maybe some representation occurs, like maybe you're not happy with all the outcomes, but is it like which one makes you feel most free is the one that seems like you have some kind of voice um, and there's a possibility of a future that's optimistic. Like, I think that's the way to, to think of life. I think if you get like stuck in this idea that, oh, the man's out to get us and like everyone's like, everyone's bad and blah, blah, blah. Like that just implies to me that's a guilt trip because you haven't actually spent enough time in the public square fixing things. So you're more likely, the people that are more likely to bitch are the ones more, most likely not to be doing a goddamn thing in my, in my, like in my life. That's like one of the things I've noticed is like the people that complain the most oftentimes do the absolute least, which is actually super interesting in terms of like, it's almost like they're projecting their guilt. No problem. Yeah. I, uh, not a problem. So, yeah, it's uh, but yeah, like a lot of people, I think, project their guilt, uh, their personal guilt onto like everything from, I don't know, politicians to the system to the man or whatever. Like they, they like instead of like taking personal responsibility for making the world a better place, there is this tendency to kind of like blame everybody else for it. Who's some of which some people of which are actually trying to make the world a better place. Like, for example, if you can go and like complain to politicians, but you've never gone out, let's say, for example, into your neighborhood and cleaned up your trash. Right. Like I, I think, and, and you know, it, you probably don't have a lot of room to really, really complain too much. And I think uh, a lot of people just like, just use social media to like, just bitch and complain, but don't, don't do a goddamn thing in all, in all real, in reality. Right. Like there, and, and it's very admirable when people are out there actually doing that work. Um, and especially when they're doing it like for free, they're like just volunteering their time. They're trying to make the world a better place and they're just doing shit. And, um, at least there's, they have a ground to stand on, like a moral high ground in a sense. Like, okay, I can understand if that person's bitching that X, Y, or Z is not done. Cause like they actually go out there personally and put their blood, sweat and tears into making the world a better place. But a lot of people really, um, don't, they just scream at the sky. But anyway, <laughs> that's kind of what my observation has been. Yeah. I uh, hear all that. That was very well done. <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, it's a lot. It's, and it's, you know, some of this work, I've really just been focusing on my career more. I think when I was growing up, women are very socialized. I know I always bring it back to a gender issue, but there, there are structural things that are in place. And women went into these professions that, um, oh my God, I lost my train of thought because I said that you were calling a, uh, the gender thing. What was I saying before that? It's okay. I can, I can pick this up. Um, okay. Well, now I was I was told from the very early age is that you cannot criticize unless you have a plan to improve what you criticizing is. 
So unless you, you come up with the fucking plan how to make shit better, you better shut the fuck up and do not say the thing. Or you could support the people that are, that are making things better. That's a possibility. Exactly. The, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's also um, an option. So I can't criticize? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, you can if you want to. But at the same time, it's like the, the odds you're going to achieve anything if that's all you do as opposed to actually going and fixing things yourself is low. All right, all right. You know, I love you, C5. You follow me? Like, you see what I'm saying, though, right? Like, like for example, if you're like, let's say you're, you're, you're I don't know, like, the, the, like, for example, let's say the roads in your streets in your town suck, right? Like, you're like, oh, what the hell's going on with these roads? But you've never been to, like, a city council meeting that discusses the roads and finds out, like, why they can't have money to build these or some other thing, right? It's easy for me to complain that the roads aren't perfect or whatever. I have these like shitty roads over here with like too many rocks on them and they use like cheap surfacing material. I have no idea why they suck. But at the same time, like I can only complain about so much because I haven't really gone out there to investigate why and maybe like, you know, provide alternatives or something or, you know, maybe like maybe they had bad contractors or some shit like or something. And maybe like, I, you know, you could spend the time to find better contractors and research that and provide that data to the city or somebody. But a lot of times we don't do that productive activity. We don't actually participate. We tend to just kind of just be critical and then assume someone else is going to fix it for us. Right. And that's the funny thing. Yeah. Like even the most libertarian people, they tend to like, um, complain about this, that, and the other thing and the man and this, you know, whatever, but they tend to use those resources but don't necessarily automatically participate in like um, solving those problems. Pretty common. Be be because complaining is so damn easy. Fixing is damn hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the energy required and the time required for sure is a commitment. But yeah, like I find it amazing that the world works at all. Like it's kind of interesting. Like, like uh, if you just look at how many th ways things can go wrong, and if you look in general, how many things actually go right um, in any given country, in any given system, it's just amazing, uh, honestly. Like, so the state of things would suggest to you that the optimistic view is probably the correct one because it's sort of worked out so far. We're all still here. Like, maybe we're wrong and maybe we'll all blow each other to bits or something at some point. It's quite possible. But so far, the evidence has been suggestive that like we tend to go in the right direction over the long arc, but who knows? We'll see. Uh, what do you think is yeah. the right direction is? What's that? Sorry. What, what do you think is the right direction is? Uh, I don't know. I think the, 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 like on, I, on I the whole, know. nobody knows. On the but whole, you have like a, a mass of people, like the planet of people, and they're all sort of working in some mixture of their own self-interest, their group interests, their country's interests, and whatever. And like whatever future we get, we just sort of get. Um, I'm just saying like, um, you know, is quality of life going to be better? I don't know, a thousand years from now versus now, um, perhaps. Like, are we going to evolve to be like more interesting organisms a million years from now? Maybe, assuming that everyone makes it. So I don't know. I tend to have like just this optimistic view that things will generally be okay. I'm not saying like wars. That's interesting. I feel like there's like impending doom. Like I kind of have that Native American thoughts of like seven generations out, but even like two or three generations from now, I see the world unless something happens. I don't know. If, I don't know if there's much that can be done, but I do see yeah. more like 
Uh, well, I mean, think think about it this way. Like, I watch things that are sort of of national security relevance. Like, for example, pandemics, uh, sort of like is my thing. And uh, so, like, if you, yeah, you can definitely um, game out a nightmare scenario of Armageddon. There's no question about it. It's like so. The thing is, like, do you uh, look into the darkness? And do you make your way through it or do you do you cuddle up into a ball and hide and just like hope for the best? That's really the difference between like um, I think a mindset that like makes sense to me. Like if I like I don't achieve anything by being nihilistic. In fact, it's like it's almost like I might as well just die now then. Like, like well, what is the point? So the thing is, like, I think a view of optimism and hope sort of like is a default position for most people. And maybe that's delusional. Maybe like maybe we're all I doomed either optimistic, way. But I do think like I'm thinking like I don't know if anyone watches The Handmaid's Tale, but it takes place. Does anyone watch that? I don't know. But you should watch um, it. I'm not. But oh, go ahead. Like a dystopian thing where what? Like what's yeah. the premise? And, no, but there's so, yeah, there's something to it where like, OK, so women are much more under control. The women are childbearing, um, like they're put in certain households and they're like captured. They're taken away from their family. And because there's like a lack of people. And I do think of things like that. Um, as far as like the population decline, um, I get I get nervous about things like that, like because there weren't enough kids in this place. So they kept yeah, having- I, I, I make this point very specifically, like I mentioned it yesterday, right? Like the so one of the reasons why um, slavery was largely eliminated and uh, women's liberation actually happened was not for the reasons generally people think. It's because the energy density of petrochemicals has a huge impact on the number of people who have to participate in farming and uh, also in the military to to the point where it's like, a, like it used to be about 45% conscripted, conscripted troops, another 45% agriculture, maybe 10% other, or some, some numbers like that, right? But with petrochemicals, the, the amount of number of people that can sit around and chit chat in Twitter spaces as opposed to actually going out and farming and doing the goddamn work like has changed dramatically. And that's allowed things like liberating all sorts of people from all sorts of labor. Um, and maybe that's a transient thing. Maybe that's a, a part of human history that won't last. Um, there's lots of people that believe that actually, uh, that it won't last necessarily because like energy and resources are somewhat finite. Um, and there's other like, you know, issues that might emerge. But the point is like, yeah, could you have dystopian situations? Sure. But you know what? There's a lot of places in the world right now at this very moment that have very, very dystopian situations. What like, it's easy to sort of create sci-fi movies about dystopias and worry that oh like my western culture is going to become that but there's like places like that now you just don't live in i want to like prepare people for situations like that so i want to make sure that families are getting what they need so we can keep procreating right like that people are marrying partners maybe maybe we should not procreate anymore um that could be thought too yeah that could be a thought yeah i mean can i say something yeah Sure. <laughs> um, I think that like just when you were talking about like Handmaid's Tale and stuff, I think that there's this sort of belief and I don't think it's completely unfounded because I think some of this stuff like that has been going on politically is certainly scary. But I think that people forget like when you're talking about stuff like, you know, women's rights, women's liberation and things like Roe v. Wade, it sort of goes back to what Steffi said about how you know, when we think about women's liberation and women's suffrage and even like the reasons that slavery was 
you know, outlawed and overturned, it's not for the reasons that we think. And like, similarly with Roe, like when Roe was, you know, like implemented in the first place, when the ruling came down in the first place, they were largely like Republican, you know, like justices and stuff on that. And the reasons weren't for, you know, women's liberation or anything. It was like largely because they were trying like for gerrymandering and stuff like that. Because if you look at, you know, what populations like abortion predominantly affects, that was the whole reason that they wanted to do it. Like it had nothing to do with women's rights. And so I think when you look at something like Roe being overturned, I think, you know, the first inclination is, oh, they're like they're going after women, which certainly it affects women the most. Um, oh, but I think just reason, so not, not just women. But, wait, 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 let me finish. <laughs> but I think it's also like people need to remember that in the same way that like, I, I know all of you guys know this, that like markets are cyclical, politics are cyclical too. Like that's just, that's just the way that things work. Like it's been that case forever in any democratic society. So I think when we worry about like, oh, like this is going to happen, it's going to be, you know, some big thing you know, there's always been the next like big scary thing that's going to happen. That's just sort of like how, how the world works. So I don't think that there's like, I don't think it's totally unfounded, but I don't think that it needs to be like, we need to worry about it. I personally don't yeah, think that no, like my, this like underpopulation thing is anything that's uh, going to like I, be I, I want to grab them by the balls. <laughs> I know Vera my whole thing is balls. preparation I just yeah. want people to have like a heads up like even with Bitcoin I want people to know about it I do worry that some societies will evolve faster than others and people will be you know left to not the haves and not have so I, I don't know I think we need all types of people in this world and I'm not doom and gloom I'm like okay let's prepare for the worst case and let's prepare for the best case that's just how I, I don't am. think that's ever going to happen in the west though the west is in my opinion like no. I don't think ever going to be like one of this is like societies necessarily no, I know, like I'm not just worried about the an optimistic uh, I think we should, <laughs> we should have an optimistic um, um, vision for the west I think we, we do have a lot going for us uh, the United States is the one of the best countries in the world with the largest influence. You, you name it. The yeah. United, you 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 a piece of it. You you have to take a pride of it, and it is truly important for everyone who lives in this country, who is a resident and citizen of this country, to understand how much pride they should take to be part of it. Right. And I just I just want to say, though, I'm not saying like all doom gloom. I'm saying we need to prepare people for things that could happen. That's all like we need to prepare people to be a good interviewer. We need to prepare people to be a good public speaker, a good parent. So that's all I'm saying is like I want to prepare people for if yeah. if they can't get Bitcoin, like they need to know about it now. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Forget uh, cryptocurrency is not gonna save the world. Not for next. No, I didn't say that, years. but I just want to pe- make people aware. That's all mm. I'm trying to say. Understood. Thank you. That yeah, makes the, sense. The, the like the thing is like most people can't even agree what like a, a good future should look like. So interesting thing that's happening is if you just take like the pro life, um, you know, slash abortion sort of thing, um, what are you going to do if there is a massive like global like population uh 
collapse, which is essentially happening as we speak. The the number of uh, like um, elderly versus the young has far outstripped things. In employed another COVID uh, COVID part two. No, no, not not a COVID thing. I'm just talking about the number of people, the number of actual young people that are in many countries is very small compared to the older, to the point where like yeah, that's what I'm saying. We, we should kill out the olders. Oh, just kill them off. Yeah, yeah, kill them all. <laughs> so, but <laughs> these, but you know, it's funny because like these weird like things end up like becoming like public discourse oddly enough oh let's not provide health care for so and so people or let's not do this and that so like yeah what one pers- person's prescription is for like a quote-unquote better future is very different from someone else's version of that future um so it's not all that easy to sort of like teach the exact thing like for, i'll give you a great example right now what's happening is a lot of technologies are coming in whether it's uh, ai whether it's like mechanized parts that can be attached to human beings uh, and like extra computing resources. So what are you going to say if let's say um, 10 years from now, um, some sort of like computer chips could be, uh, could augment your brain function. And maybe you're not going to be as good of a whatever professional you are supposed to be if you don't have this chip, right? Are you going to have a society that's going to be like augmenting themselves and another group of people who are going to be like, I'm not doing that. So, and then what happens if the government says, no, your children must get this chip. Otherwise um, they're not going to be like successful in society and they're not, they're going to be poor. And you're like, well, I don't mind if they're poor. And then, so like, you're going to have like. Yeah, yeah, that's super, super. Where have gone through this? Remember the vaccine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Remember the vaccine, the government demanding us to get it? They can do whatever they want. Well, it's not a question of they. It's like nobody knows what the right answer is. That's the problem. Like so. Well, yeah, it's, it's not about the. Uh, it's not about right or wrong. It's about yeah. the um, compliance. It's you have this vast unknown space in front of us, right? And uh, on the one hand, like you could have an anarchist world where there is no government, no one telling you to do anything. Are you going to wind up with a better world? I don't know. Like. There's there's not a lot of evidence for that necessarily. Yeah, so yeah, the thing is, ethical, ethical yeah. questions you can ask yourself all the time. Yeah, of course. I'm yeah, I'm not I'm not in any means saying let's diminish the government. Oh my god, I think we should have the government. People need structure. We need to have uh, some sort of um, you know, capabilities in a way to another um, another interesting thing, Vera, is like if you go to some countries, right? Um, they don't think anything of like vaccines. They're like, wait, why don't we get enough vaccines? They're complaining that they don't have enough. On the other hand, you have another country that has plenty of manufacturing capability and then people are like, oh, I don't want them. So even even among the human race, it's not like there's a uniform consensus about what is considered government overreach. There just isn't. Like if you look globally, um, there's wide variability in what people think is like considered I think bad. unfortunately in the United States, we, um, I don't know what, what is really going on. I can't really pinpoint. I think after 9-11, things really went to shit. Uh, I think uh, people developed a bunch of uh, conspiracy theories about 9-11. And from that point on, we really went to interrupt yeah. the whole. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. You're actually correct. You're actually correct on that. Actually, the U.S. before 9-11 um, did have its conspiracies. But the number the number of people who like um, got into complicated conspiracy theory skyrocketed because it was such a fucked up thing. Like, like, like the entire thing like, was so messed up. It was like, wait, if you really how many think- other things... 
yeah, it's like how many other things could be true if this was true, right? It's like. But bro, like, do you really think? Do you really think that United States government made nine eleven happen and killed like what four hundred thousand people? Nah. But I think if you like <laughs> no. think about it, like I I don't think that that happened either. I think it was actually a terrorist attack. But of course it like, was. But if you look at what's interesting about culture, like especially if you look at like film, like all of the films that were made, you know, from 2001 to maybe like 2012, a lot of the themes like psychologically in them were about like home invasion and things like that. And so I think you have this interesting cultural dynamic where when you have such like a large scale trauma that like this was one of the first examples of it, I think like at least in our lifetimes and probably will be the biggest one where it impacts so many people so like this at this deep psychological level it's not because you felt safe in your cities right and that's what was broken there yeah and like it's so it's interesting like it's not it's not surprising at all that when you have something like the pandemic you see people's responses like this because there's this sort of level of distrust that maybe can't ever be fixed and it whether or not you yeah. believe it's a conspiracy theory that level of distrust and sort of like psychological discontent is going to be present it's, forever it's also interesting like wrath has his hand up but like what's interesting is police uh and firefighters and such were deemed to be sort of like heroes in that situation and in other situations police are deemed to be devils for some reason right you have this but interesting al- but, but also dichotomy. something very quick uh you also should understand there must be some foreign entities that in inserting our distrust in our own a government utilizing the 9-11 event sure all of those psyops type things will happen almost no matter what absolutely yeah that's a given so like that's where like the core values of your country matter if your people generally don't have a good set of core values um then what ends up happening is is like you're much easier to sort of like influence to do stupid shit like and uh this is why i say like a position of optimism is super super important just from a as a general sort of like uh like pub general public standpoint but like if i've met people from plenty of people from uh cia special forces lots of different sort of agencies um uh officers in like air force navy marines and such so i, I you know meet plenty of people and like do you know how many people um, I have met who would like want to say, for example, blow up the World Trade Center. Like basically zero. I mean, the odds of that were, are so relatively low that like this idea that there'd be some sort of weird like government conspiracy to like for the military industrial complex to sort of like, you know, blow up the fucking you know buildings or whatever. Have you met people in the military industrial complex? I have. And they have no fucking reason to believe that that would be the case. So most people absolutely, um, absolutely cannot be like if you believe that United States of America actually killed their own citizens in that attack, I commend you. To pack your shit and leave this country. I agree. I, I I would say just get the fuck out. That's exactly what I would say too. But like I've met plenty of people in all these domains, and the it takes a lot of life sacrifice to go into say 
like military officer training or even to like join say for something like the CIA, it is a major life sacrifice to go into something like that. It is no joke. And this idea that these, you, you, you know, these are people that are largely sort of like ideologues in terms of patriots. The, there's a high level of patriotism among this crowd. It's not like you're going to easily convince them to do wacky, stupid shit against the country. It's just not, it's not very common. Now with the whole recent politics in the last few years, some of the shenanigans and double standards at the FBI are very concerning. Um, I'll have to admit that. And there's some definitely some issues with like how, um, you know, some of the IRS shenanigans that also happen. So it's not that institutions aren't somewhat corruptible um, at some level, but to say that they're such so corruptible is that they're likely to sort of like, you know, blow up their own city is just just patently absurd. Like the number of people that would um, be against you in this sort of cabal or whatever would way outnumber the number of people that are going to like, you know, join forces with you or some shit. Like it's almost uh, absurd to like, uh, like think that's highly likely. Hey, Rath, what's up? <laughs> yeah, let me say this real quick and I'll be quiet. You know, you know what I do and, you know, Dr. Carey's right about being um, prepared because every month, every month we get a law enforcement bulletin about some other group in this country that around November to the presidential election is going to do some stupid shit. It doesn't matter what side politics you're on. If you're for Trump, if you're for Biden, it doesn't matter. We're so polarized right now that, you know, in November, especially in the midterms, there's 150 people that are going to possibly get elected that are way out there, QAnon, ready to roll, destroy everything, break it down, and there's liberals just as bad. And this country is not ready for that. The police are definitely not ready. The military is not ready. It's going to get bad around November. There is always uh, much wider gap difference between classes and groups than individuals. They don't have much to do with class. It's just it's going to be rough. I'm telling you, there are some groups out here that these militias and sovereign citizens who feel like they have nothing. Yeah, else she, to she's going to get ugly, man. She's going to get ugly. They say that because in Massachusetts we have the like a crazy race too. Like the the like we actually don't even we've had Republican governors a lot of times and it's fine because they're not really Republicans if they're in Massachusetts they're like very moderate. But now the person running the Republican is just very uh, very very right, and it's just not. It, it would be interesting if um, it would definitely be a different different way here for a little while. Um, but yeah, things were mostly a democratic state, so I don't know. So, so I'm, really I'm sorry, so, that, let me ask you this. So, so you are from Massachusetts, right? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, you you both from Massachusetts? No, yeah. I'm from the deep south. I'm oh, me south. and Nadia. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, dear uh, uh, Dr. Kerry. I would like to uh, ask, uh, um, what born, um, you're from Massachusetts, right? Yeah, no, no, I'm, from, from, I'm from the South. I'm from North Carolina. North Carolina. So, okay, that's great. So, so what is the most um, tipping concern in North Carolina that uh, you have, um, you know, you, you could actually share? The Appalachian Mountains, those guys up there, they are ready. They are ready to jump at any moment. They are mobilized. They are armed to teeth. There are some guys near Raleigh. They're armed to teeth. I'm telling you, this stuff, everybody thinks I may be full of shit. There are people in this country that the first drop of anything is ready to rock and roll. 
COVID pushed them over to edge and some of the FBI stuff has really pushed them over to edge with them investigating Trump. They are, they're on edge and on edge so, bad. So it, it, it sounds like the gap between society is really what's, what is the problem? You may be right. It doesn't matter to me what politics you are. I don't like any of it, but uh, there's these guys are they're looking for a fight. I mean, it's, we get bulletins all the time. You know, be aware of this symbol. Be aware of this thing. And it ain't just the conservatives. It's the liberals just as much. There was a bulletin last month about liberals wanting to go to smaller towns to kill local police that had like five or six in a small town. I mean, people are asking for something they don't really want. You know, it takes a lot to take a life. I've been there. and You do not want it. You don't want to sleep with it. You don't want to live it. It's not good. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's understandable. Well, hey I'm, guys, I'm so- sorry to break up the party here, but I, I my brother just dropped by. There's some, I guess, some deaths in the family or something. So he was trying to fill us in. So I'll, I think I'll catch you guys later. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was part two of the two-part Chepe Space Convo, recorded on Wednesday, September twenty-first, two thousand twenty-two. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep a hands off when the play is a bust. Plain old and just, so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide, checking out the scene. Razor beam focused, star screen jokers. Living off the fat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fights back. With the cliffs at our backs, make the last stand matter. No one ever planned for the famine on deck. We was walking all erect with the dead man swagger Sitting in a little den, envision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion Little Dan envisioning the middle men Listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next No one gave a shit till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter we was all hyped up When the pedal hit the metal he just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime till the night curfew Rats in a cage till they make time to murk you Got a little job that falls under my purview We gotta get this mob away from the Birds you gotta find cover, wipe off the bird poop, ride off the work while you try on the worst juice. Blinded by perps who try to reverse truth, slide like Fox News, just trying to lie to you. Eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants. I can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis. Mock up a basement, could call me resilient. Waiting for the internet to make me a billion. Vision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how All the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next B-b-b-billion Talk about how All the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next B-b-b-billion
Spaces. Spaces.